0: Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy. Celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. Where tour players, legends, and the top instructors in the game share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by TaylorMade Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, Two Under, Golf Pride, Strixon Cleveland Golf. Your best performance starts with the right golf ball. Sun Mountain Golf Bags, Finn Scooters, making the game more fun. Adele Golf. Hit it, flip it, dial it in and the Mecklemore Club experience live above the clouds. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro.
1: Good evening, folks, and thank you for tuning into this week's edition of Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro. Tonight, four more great guests that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. I've got two of the top instructors in the game who are going to help us play better. I've got the best golf TV producer, who also happens to be my all-time favorite author. And I've got a former caddy who is doing great things for our wounded military veterans. We'll talk more specifically about who they are in just a moment. I want to remind everyone that next week is going to be our last show of season number nine. I'll be transitioning over to our football show Thursday Night Tailgate in November. So if you love college and NFL football, join me and my co-host Bob Lazeri over on that show. We talk with the legends of the game, hear their stories and insights for what's going on around the league. I'll be back over here on this show in early 2023, right around the time we start getting ready for the Players' Championship. I'll probably do some special segments along the way, though. So please, check out nextonthet.net. That's our website. I'll give you some updates for when some of those things are going to happen. Give me a follow on Twitter as well, at CTMascaro. I'll give you a heads up for when some of those special segments are going to occur. So you can stay up to date there and on our website. Again, next on the T.net, I'll give you a heads up for when those special segments will be coming your way. Before we get started tonight, I want to thank all of you again for your time and your votes. You got us up to number two now in the podcast magazine Hot 50 list for their October edition. Really appreciate all of your wonderful support. Our football show Thursday night tailgate right behind it at number four. So we are closing in on our goal of reaching number one. So please continue to vote. And you can do so daily by going online to podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50. Your votes are why we're near the top and why we're going to get to number one. So thank you again for taking a moment out of your busy days to support both shows. It means a great deal to me. Okay, on to tonight's show. First up is going to be our good friend and top instructor, Rob Strano. Rob is also the host of the Golf Kingdom TV show. Always great when Rob is a part of this show. Tonight, I'm going to get his thoughts on the President's Cup and the great performances that we saw from Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Max Homa. Want to get his thoughts, too, on Tom Kim and what we can look forward to seeing from him the rest of this year and as we look ahead to 2023. We'll also talk about the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship, which had some horrendous weather in round two. To give you a case in point, Thomas Peters shot 83 in the second round and still finished inside the top 30, which gives you an idea how much the struggle was for everybody in round two. But that's what we love about watching golf over in Scotland. We want to see the rain. We want to see the wind and how it affects play. So I want to get Rob's thoughts on that, too. Plus, I'll get a playing lesson from him as well. He'll join me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from Keith Hirschland. We'll actually be talking to Keith from the future. He's over in Bangkok, Thailand, where it's tomorrow morning right now. He's 11 hours ahead of us. He's there because he's the producer as well for Live Golf's broadcast. We'll talk about their tournament that they've got coming up this weekend. We'll also try to clear up some of the truth versus the myth about Live Golf. We'll also look ahead to their remaining broadcast for this year and the 2023. Keith is going to join me about 25 minutes from now. Following him, I'll get a return visit from another one of the top instructors in the game, Brandon Stukesbury. Brandon has been named a top instructor by Golf Digest every year since 2014. He was named the PGA Teacher of the Year in 2015 and 2018 here in Georgia. He's currently out at Metairie Country Club in Metairie, Louisiana. We'll get some playing lessons for how to improve our chipping how to control our speed and distance on the greens, and how to read putts better. Looking forward to having Brandon back as part of the show. He'll join me later on in the hour. And then we're going to round out things tonight with a return visit from Caddy for a Cure founder, Russ Holden. He's got a great program that he started, a new one out there. It's called Inspiring Warrior Golf. We'll hear what that is. Plus, get an update on the great things he's doing through Caddy for a Cure for our wounded military heroes. Looking forward to having Russ as part of the show again. He'll join me about an hour from now. So there you have it, folks. More great stories, tips, and information are coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. And like I say every week, thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. Before we get started, I always like to remind you about our friends at the McLemore. As you guys know, my buddies and I were there again this year for our annual golf trip, and it was even better the second time around. Everything about what they have up there is first class. The accommodations are fantastic. Practice facility is great. The on-premise restaurant called The Craig is outstanding food and service. And to say the course is spectacular, folks, is an understatement. Can't say enough great things about what they have to offer you at the Macklemore. Go online to the com to see how wonderful it is for yourself. The golf course is co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones. And another friend of the show, PGA Tour caddy Kip Henley said, Outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. Golf Dye disagreed, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000. And then Lynx Magazine doubled down on that, naming it one of the top 10 finishing holes in all of golf. See why we're all saying such great things about the place by going online to themacklemore.com. Also want to remind you about our friends over at TaylorMade. Golf's an interesting game because the better you hit the ball, the fewer shots you have to hit. That means the better you hit the ball, the less golf you actually have to play. That's why TaylorMade made their Stealth irons. TaylorMade Stealth Irons feature a cat design and a 3D toe wrap designed to help deliver increased distance through the bag and more forgiveness on those occasional, or maybe not so occasional, less-than-perfect shots. The result? Better shots more often, so you get to have more fun more often. If you're the kind of golfer who wants to play less golf more often, try the Stealth Irons from TaylorMade Beyond Driven. Okay, now back in making his 15th appearance with me is one of the all-time great instructors in the game and one of my all-time favorite guests and the host of the Golf Kingdom TV show, Rob Strano. You can watch the Golf Kingdom on Amazon Fire TV, Blab TV, Roku, and Rob's YouTube channel. As you guys know, he's from St. Louis, Missouri, one of the top junior players in the St. Louis District. Rob won the Individual Low Stroke Average Trophy and the Individual Total Points Championship Trophy in 1981. Played his college golf at Centenary College in Louisiana. He also played out on the PGA, Corn Ferry, and Hooters NGA Tours for 15 years. Rob won five times out there. He is annually recognized by U.S. Kids as one of their top instructors. Plus, he is one of the few teaching the game to deaf children. Rob has his Strano Golf Academy at Kelly Plantation in Destin, Florida. Like I say, he's a great friend and one of my all-time favorite paisans. And I'm honored to have him back with me tonight here on Next on the T. Bonasera, Rob. How are you, my friend?
2: I'm doing fantastic, Chris. It's great to be on again, especially on back-to-back nights. What what the the listeners don't (laughs) understand is you and I were texting last night, and I was getting so excited That I thought yesterday was Tuesday, and I called into the show, and I'm sitting there going, well, Chris should bring me up any second. So after 30 minutes on hold, I then realized, well, wait a second. (laughs) Tell me, it's Monday. You're on the show tomorrow night. So I feel like I've been on a back-to-back night. So it's kind of a big week for me so far.
1: (laughs) Indeed, no doubt it is. Why wouldn't it be if you get to be on this show two times in the same week? Dude, you must be a superstar. Yeah, I mean, Good I, for you.
2: I, as far as I know, I'm the only guest that's ever been on twice in one week back to back night. So <laughs> I you know I you think going to be an honor, Chris. Thank you so much for, for that.
1: <laughs> you know, I love you, Rob. Rob, I want to start our time tonight by getting your thoughts on the President's Cup. The U.S. team has dominated that event since the start. They're now 12 1 1 all time. We all know about the players the international team lost because they went over to live golf is the fact that the international team went into this Sunday singles matches only down 11-7, is that a moral victory for them?
2: Well, you know, what's interesting is when we think about the President's Cup and the players, we're, we're instead of the Ryder Cup, I've always thought it interesting that everybody that comments on it imposes their own mindset on it. Like, like this player doesn't belong there because he's a rookie. And it's like, wait a second, these are all world cast class players. They've all won tour events. They all can handle pressure. They're all there for a reason. So when you look at international team, American team, or, or, you know, the Europe and and the U.S. in the Ryder Cup, these are all awesome players. They're the best of the best of the best. So when you look at the teams, you know, 11-7, you know, whatever it was, you know, the, the matches themselves were so close. And they, they could have tipped either way late. And it's just a matter of who made the putt or hit the shot late in some of those matches that kept it from being 11-7 the other way.
1: And Rob, when you look at the U.S. team, we had some really spectacular performances. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, those guys paired and, and won all four of their matches. Justin had some funny gestures when Jordan would make a big putt or when he chipped in to win the match on 15 on Saturday seems like these guys need to be paired together in every team event, whether it's the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup, or if they come up with another one, these guys should be paired together forever. I don't know. What are your thoughts about those two guys and and their performance?
2: It's like anybody. Boy, you play with a buddy of yours that you get along with, and and everything kind of co-mingles together. You don't rub each other the wrong way. Boy, golf can become an easy ham and egg game at that point when you've got that, and, if I'm the captain of any of these teams, I just ask them, "You guys good to go? You say when you don't want to play with the other guy. You know, you say, you know what? He was chewing with his mouth open last night, and I'm just on my last <laughs> nerve with him. So we're not playing. You know, the, the four ball today. Then, then hey, I'm taking it from those guys. But until they say no, Moss, then it's it's keep feeding them to the other teams and let them have at it and see if they can beat them.
1: Another guy who went undefeated was Max Homa. He teamed with Tony Finau to get a couple of wins. He also teamed up with Billy Horschel to get a W. And and how clutch was that guy in the singles, beating Tom Kim one up, thanks to a late birdie, to win that match? Homa came up pretty big for the U.S. team as well. Talk about what we're seeing from that guy.
2: What we're seeing, finally, is the culmination of everything that he's done, the hard work. the the practice and all the skilled parts of the game. And finally, the last piece, I think, coming in is the mental piece, believing, you know what, I belong with these guys. This is not out of the ordinary that I'm here. I I should be here. I am that good. And I think that's just the last piece he needed was the I am that good piece. And, you know, he's got the big moment, Gene, obviously, because he's been able to come through at every big moment, it seems. His golf swing is just a pure joy to watch. He's a social media comedian. He's got he's got all the pieces, Chris. <laughs> yes, he does. A, a couple of guys,
1: Rob, that I expected to dominate in these matches were Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns. They teamed those two together. Unfortunately, they go 0-2-1 in team play, and then Scheffler loses to Sebastian Munoz in the singles. Burns ends up getting a tie with Hideki Matsuyama in the singles. So no wins between them. A total of one point they got for the U.S. team. Do you do you think that's just a a result of those two guys playing so hard all year long? Obviously Scotty being the the player of the year. You could have argued at one point that Sam Burns was pushing him for that title. Those guys just run out of gas at the end of the year. What do you think about those two not putting up a win?
2: I, I think it's that. I think you've got that. I mean, the, the golf season is a long grind, and when the spotlight's on you for the first time like it was for both those players in a big way, and the expectations are so high. Every time you stick a tee in the ground on every single hole, everybody's expecting the greatest shot they've ever seen out of you. You're expected to contend every week. That that can get heavy. And I think there's a second piece there that no one's discussed, and I think it's in the, in the golf world, especially the junior golf world, we call it sympathy golf. I think there was a little sympathy golf they played because cause Kevin Kisner only got half a point, and I think they were trying to make Kiz feel better. So they're like, you know what, <laughs> kids has only got half a point, so we're gonna we're gonna play a little sympathy golf and and you know not make him feel so bad. We're gonna get just our little point each, and that way, Kiz <laughs> doesn't feel so bad about not really being a contributor to the team. <laughs>
1: That's an interesting theory. You're right. No one's talking about that one. So. Good on you for bringing that up, my friend. Tom Kim is a guy who has sort of burst onto the scene here late in the golf season. He ends up 2-3 and in the President's Cup, but a guy who brings a lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm to the game. What's your expectation for what we're going to see from him throughout the rest of this calendar year and then as we look ahead to
2: 2023? I think I've seen the next, big thing in golf. I mean, everything like Max Homa looks good. And he's, you know, he, he's got the early beliefs in himself. And every time he's had a chance to step into a big moment, he seems to, to come through and pull it off. I, I think, you know, he's, he's going to be another one of those guys that is going to be super consistent, always there, doesn't look to have any holes in his game, doesn't look to have any, any mental baggage, you know, even, even though he's really young. I think, I think the sky's the limit here. This He could be, you know, uh, the next, you know, have that next big, big year like Scheffler did.
1: Rob, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship event they play over on the DP World Tour. It's a pro-Am event like we have coming up here in January at Pebble Beach. They hold it at Kings Barn, Carnoustie, and St. Andrews, where he got to play with his father in that event, Ryan Fox. Ends up winning the pro portion of the tournament. But Rob, second round was brutal. My favorite scoring line of the tournament was from Thomas Peters. He shot rounds of 65, 83, 64, and 70. Still ended up 28th for the week. Romain Langasque of France. He shot 61, 80, 72, 70. Tied for 36th. I mean, it was cold. It was raining. The wind was whipping. Do you ever have to play in conditions like that where your scoring from one round to the next was so vastly different?
2: Yeah, I mean, it it, it was amazing to watch. And I that scoring line that you mentioned, but the, the Romain Langescu, however you say his name, I love just the spelling of it. Romain Langescu. You know, 61-80. <laughs> I mean, 61 in the old course and then 80 the next day at Carnoustie. You know, he had to feel like, he shot 100, I mean, after 61. But um, I, I think back to one year at, at DJ Tour School, we played up in, in Tennessee, and they had a front come through, and the third day we played in about 55 degrees with a steady rain, and we didn't have the high 30 mile hour winds, but we had kind of, you know, 10, 15 gusty winds, and I remember – I shot a bogey free sixty eight that day to move from like thirty fifth to like fifth. Just blew past a bunch of players. And the only guy that beat me was a guy that shot sixty seven and he was from Canada. And he probably thought it was just beautiful. <laughs> but that's what we
1: love about Scottish golf, isn't it? When we tune into the open championship every year, whether they're playing in Scotland or Ireland or wherever they're playing over there. We wanna see. Rainy, windy conditions. We, we want to watch those guys, you know, contend with the condition, see how they react to it. Because if it isn't like that, we get an open like we got this year, where Cam Smith shoots 20 under par. We don't want to see an open that's a birdie eagle fest. It's kind of disappointing when you tune in. At least for me, when I tune in to the Open Championship and I see sunny skies and the forecast is for sunny skies and decent temperatures all the time, I want to see the rainy-windy.
2: Am I wrong for that? No, I agree. I mean, it's, it's what the stamp is for that event. It's it's known for its weather, whether it's the baked weather, which they occasionally get, but you also get those those wild, windy days. And the only bad thing is when you don't get the consistent weather for an entire day, when it's the morning wave gets pummeled and the afternoon wave gets the, the decent day that's when, you know, you can get the bad side of the draw and you've got no chance. You just can't you can't even yeah. have a fighting chance. That's the only that's the only thing that that, you know, gets a little bit of inequity over there. In, in any event when you get the the flip side of the weather as as a tour player, you always hope you get the good side of the draw. Sometimes over there you really get a bad side of the draw as you're trying to battle what is the open championship weather and what they're notorious for.
1: All right, so i got to ask you, and I know you're not a fan of Liv golf, but bad side of the draw, good side of the draw. Isn't there the idea of what Liv's doing with the shotgun start, and we know in the final round the top six players all tee off on one, so it's fair and across the board. But isn't the idea of a shotgun start a good idea so there is no bad side of the draw?
2: Well, in a small field like that, you can get away with it, just like you do in a a member guest. You know, you have a small field and you see out to member guests on a shotgun start. Um, it, it's just, uh, you know, 50 foot holes, no cut, small field, shotgun start, rock and roll music, gimmicky this, gimmicky that. Uh, I'm just, I'm a traditional PGA tour guy. Um, you know, my my whole thing with Liv, and, and I see all kinds of conversations online that I stray away from. Most of, most of the time. Every now and then I stick my toe in the water. But it always begins with the Saudi connection. And to me, that's so not even important. Every time I've been around Greg Norman, there's a bad vibe around this guy. And if I'm looking for the main reason why I'm not joining with, there you go. It's a bad vibe. And the guys they've got are all bad vibes going over. Bad vibe guys. You know, your Patrick Reed and And, you know, Justin Johnson's a loner. Um, you know, those guys that have all gone over there, you know, he's older, not a, not a real player favorite. You know, what's interesting about the president's cup and I kept looking on social media every day, the American players that would have normally played and the Europe, not the European, the international players that would normally play. Not one of them sent a note through social media saying, good luck to the guys on the international team, bring home the cup, or good luck to the Americans. I thought that would be a classy thing to do, it, given the culture of trying to be, you know, not divisive. But not one player did that. And, I, and what, I, what, what I thought to myself was, if I'm Trevor Immelman and I've got the number one player in Cam Smith who ditches me right before my event, and remember, I'm Sicilian. We're both a little Italiano, but I'm <laughs> Sicilian. I hold grudges. If I'm Trevor Immelman, Camp Smith's dead to me. He's dead to me. I don't care if he makes another team and he's the captain. I'm not. I'm not playing him. Sorry, you're not on the team. Get lost, because that's betrayal. And I feel like those guys that left right before the internet, the the the, the event, that all they left for was one tournament on the on the live. To, to play one event for the President's Cup when you could have played the President's Cup and played the next one—that's just that's betrayal. That's betraying all the guys in the team, betraying the the whole event, and that that doesn't fit well with me.
1: Rob, I got one more before I let you go, and I got to get a playing lesson from you. And one of the things that you talked about on one of your recent episodes of the Golf Kingdom, your your strategy segment, Um, something that most of us don't do is have a playing strategy for how to attack holes. Most of us get up there on the tee. It's a par four, par five. We immediately reach for our driver. Talk about why that doesn't always have to be the automatic reach.
2: Well, what's interesting is if you're a listener out there and you play the same course all the time, you get stuck in Groundhog Day the movie. Where you teed up in the same place, you grab the same club, you try to hit the same shot, and you'll get in a rut on a hole and just don't seem like you play it well for a while. What you've got to do is like every day is a little different, the weather's a little different, the pin's different, you may feel different. Try to come up with a strategy to play the hole. How well do you actually know your golf course? Guess what? There's a thing out there called Google, and you can go and go to Google Maps and you can see the overhead view of your golf course. And I bet if you did that, you'd see some interesting angles and stuff from a designer's overhead point of view that you didn't know. Because I know my course here in Florida, there's some tricky little angles that you have to understand to be able to pick the right strategy to play the hole, or as I say on the show, strategy. So absolutely, you've got to realize there's holes you like, there's holes you don't like, like at my course here at Kelly Plantation. I don't like two, five, twelve, sixteen. That's it. Those four holes I don't like. On the course I grew up on, Saint Clair in Saint Louis, I have the same couple holes that that I don't like. Number eleven there is a tough hole. I always seem to play it well, but I've got to get up there and really engage myself mentally, have a good target, a good strategy on the shot I want to hit, and just it's a one shot hole for me. I just have to get a T shot. And when I do that I I, I play that hole because well the approach shot then is is not as difficult as the tee shot. So figure out which holes you don't like, which shots on holes you don't like and why and then do something different. Maybe hit a little low shot and roll it out there on the fairway or roll it on the green. Just you're just trying to protect your golf ball and not lose it by doing something that you don't feel comfortable doing on the golf course.
1: Rob like you mentioned your golf school is located at Kelly Plantation Golf Club in Destin, Florida. You also have a fairly new indoor studio that you've put up there. Let our listeners know what they'll see when they come down and take a lesson and visit you there.
2: Well, we've got the Sanctuary at Strano Golf, which is our indoor studio. We have all the tech inside. It's been great, Chris. We haven't lost one lesson to weather this year because we have our outdoor location, which is literally three minutes from the, uh, the indoor spot. So we can ping pong in and out if we need to. If you have a player that wants to do stuff indoors, we meet them indoors. If the next player wants to be out, we just drive back over three minutes and we're back outside in the lesson tee. So that's a great spot. You can learn everything about it at com, on social media at straddlegolf or the Golf Kingdom TV show, where you can see a bunch of stuff about the show there. As always, you can, you know, like you mentioned in the intro, Roku, all the shows are there. We've got them on YouTube. Um, it, it's been a fun show doing that. We're finishing up our fourth season and looking ahead to the fifth season of the golf kingdom.
1: Rob, I can't thank you enough, my friend for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of this show. You're fantastic. I always make this segment so much fun. I look forward to catching up with you again soon, my friend.
2: Well, I'm looking forward to it too. And you know what? The time is right because right now celebrity family feud coming on. I'm not going to miss it. And, it's a big night. It's the it's the boy <laughs> bands against the girl band. I think it's Manudo wow. against the Go Go's. So I think I think the timer's going off like chicken pot pie's done, and I can go catch Celebrity Family Feud. All right, perfect. See, I'm, timing, I'm always Chris.
1: there for you. Try you're to make it. I try to make it on time for you.
2: You're, you're the best host on the best golf show. Thanks for having me, my friend. <laughs> Look forward to it. To getting together again then.
1: Uh, hi Rob, take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon.
2: You bet. You too. Bye. See you, Rob.
1: That's a great Rob Strano. S-T-R-A-N-O is the spelling of his last name. The Golf Kingdom is fantastic, folks. If you haven't downloaded the app on your smartphone or or on uh, your smart TV and catch it there, you can find it on YouTube. And Rob's just a fantastic instructor. He makes he makes learning the game fun. And how how many you know times can you say that? He's a, he's an outstanding individual and, uh, I'm very fortunate that, uh, we've become really good friends over the years. He makes me laugh. He makes me smile every time he comes on the show. I had the privilege of going down to Destin, Florida and being at his golf school and taking a lesson from Rob. And, uh, that, that has certainly improved my golf game. I can't, uh, recommend him highly enough. StranoGolf.com is where you can find it online and then over social media as well. I look forward to catching up with Rob again hopefully sometime very soon. Before I get to my next guest, Keith Hersland, I want to remind you about a couple of our friends, starting with the folks over at Adele Golf. Is your driver adjustable? Of course it is. How about your irons? Didn't think so. Adele's new SMS irons give you adjustability in an iron to match your swing. These new irons come with three weights lined up across the back of the club By moving the heavyweight to the heel, center, or toe location, you can match the club to your swing instead of vice versa. The result? Total control of the club face for more distance and accuracy. Your irons can't do this. Check them out online by going to adelgolf.com. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? Well, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented Squares toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour and an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent testing proves it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to Squares.com, get the Squares 30-day money-back guarantee, and use promo code DISTANCE to get $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. Squares, the distance golf shoe. Okay, now back, and I'm honored to say this, for the 11th time with me here on Next on the T, is my all-time favorite author, and one of my all-time favorite people on the planet, and that's Keith Hirschland. Keith has been a wonderful friend for several years, and he's been a great supporter of the show, which I am very thankful for. He is an Emmy Award-winning TV producer. He has produced shows for ESPN, ESPN2, The Golf Channel, and now Live Golf. Keith was among the original people that started The Golf Channel back in 1995. He's written five wonderful books, my all-time favorite one, which is Cover Me, Boys, I'm Going In, Tales of the Tube from a Broadcast Brat. I'm also partial to his latest one, Song Girl, A Mystery in Two Verses, and that C.T. Mascaro character. He's also written great books titled Big Flies, the Flower Girl Murder, Murphy, Murphy, in the Case of Serious Crisis, which was named Book of the Year by Book Talk Radio Club, oh, by the way. Rumor has it there might be a sixth book on the way, which I hope to hear more about. And I'm honored to have Keith back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Keith, how are you, my friend?
3: Hi, Chris. Great to be with you. I got You know, every time I hear your intro of me, I feel like I've accomplished something. It, make, it make, make, makes me feel good. <laughs> Great to be with you. As it should.
2: Dude, you've accomplished a great deal. You you should be in, in several
1: Hall of Fame by now. I'm, I'm a little disappointed <laughs> that you're not.
3: Oh, you're a nice man.
1: Keith, you're actually coming to us from the future because you're in Bangkok, Thailand. <laughs> and as we record this show live on Tuesday nights in the States, it's about 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It's actually around 7.30 a.m. Wednesday morning
3: there, Right. Yeah, I feel like a time traveler, right? Yeah, I am in uh, my first <laughs> time in Thailand, uh, first time in this part of the world, and I got to tell you, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, I look forward to coming back when I'm not working.
1: And Keith, one of the big questions right now, and there are a lot around live golf, and as we look ahead to 2023, you're sort of front and center. You know, the, the talk is about TV contracts, and, and I know you don't make the deals, and, and you'll work. With whoever it is and however it is, but people are doubting that any network is actually interested in showing live golf tournaments. And if one is, it's only because the PIF comes up with a bunch of money and buys the airtime, not because anyone wants the rights to the show. I don't know. Can can you can you share any you know truth, myth, what's going on, and and where you think the the live broadcasts are going to be here in the future?
3: Oh, uh, boy, you know, I I wish I could and I'm not uh I'm not deflecting the question. I just you're right. I'm not involved in the deals. We have uh some really talented smart people doing that. Um I can tell you that a lot of what you read um you know is not true. Uh some of what you read is true. So, you know, there are unfortunately and I feel like you know, being caught in the middle a little bit and I you know, I I I have I think successfully um, navigated the politics of the whole situation. And, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, why, why I'm doing this. And the, the, the main reason, and maybe the only reason is because it was another opportunity to get on in on the ground floor of something and create something and maybe bring a little bit of innovation to um, golf on television. And, you know, I did it almost 30 years ago with golf channel. You know, I took a big leap of faith. I took a risk. I left a great job at ESPN and joined a a startup in Orlando, Florida in the fall of 1994. And, you know, that came out pretty well. And this again was an opportunity when they approached me, you know, when they talked to me at the first, at first, Chris, it was, you know, to see if I'd be interested in doing one or two events. And, you know, I, I was retired. I was happily retired. Um, Of course, that turned into a a full slate of events this year, which is eight. And as my wife likes to say, I failed spectacularly at retirement. So, um, but it was an (laughs) opportunity to start something new and to look at, like, what is golf doing? What does golf look like on TV? And are, are there ways that we can make that experience for the golf viewer just a little more attractive, just a little more interesting, just a little more exciting? And you know, like I said. Politics is one thing. For me, it was a completely a production decision and and a huge opportunity to get back in the television space. Because I feel like, you know, there are a few tricks left in this old dog, Chris. <laughs> I know there are.
1: And And last time, we talked about how the challenge of producing a tournament with all the players out on the course at the same time was one of the things that lured you back to, you know, produce some of these tournaments. And with with so many golf balls in the air at the same time. Talk about the challenge of showing every great shot and keeping up with the leaders at the same time.
3: Yeah, it is a challenge. It's, you know, and I, when you haven't done it for 10 years, the first couple of events, um, you know, and even now after we've done, I guess five, uh, you know, I'm exhausted. It's, you know, Murphy Murphy would be uh angry with me for using this cliche, but you know, it's it is like drinking from a fire hose. I mean, you're in the truck and you know, the gun goes off at fifteen minutes after the hour and you know, everybody's playing golf. And so, you know, we made a decision early on, a conscious decision to um just show as much golf as possible. Show as many golf shots as possible. Um and we're lucky, i blessed. You know, it's, it's a it's a blessing and a curse because we, we are streaming on YouTube and we don't have any commercials at the moment. So there are multiple opportunities for me to show golf, which, uh, you know, the folks that do network golf don't have as much of an opportunity as I do. But at the same time, I will, you know, obviously you concentrate on your story. On the first day, it's your main group. The, the second and third day it's your leaders but in the meantime when they're not playing i just look up and see a monitor and see somebody hitting a golf shot and i go to it It might be james Piot, it might be scott vincent it might be sergio garcia or phil nicholson but i just look up and see somebody playing and i don't even worry about you know where they are on the pylon which is what we call our leaderboard or where they are where they stand in the tournament um i just go and show golf so You know, we have one of the innovations that we did do, and I know I'm rambling on, but one of the innovations that we've done is our leaderboard, which we call the pylon, and it's patterned after the F1, the Formula One racing pylon. So what you see on the left side of the screen is names, 24 names at a time going up and down the leaderboard, depending on what they do on the golf course. And we don't pretend to get to everything live. So if you see Phil Mickelson move up the pylon, there's, I'm going to show it. It may be in 10 seconds. It may be in 20 seconds, but I'm going to show it. And then we put up a little graphic that says earlier. And we say, you know, you, you know, you saw Phil move up the pylon. Here's how we did it. We have these things called don't blink, which are three, four shot highlight packages that are very quick. You know, no lead in, no, no pad on the other side, four or five seconds a shot that get people caught up on the players, on the teams. Um, It's really, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I've watched a lot of golf on TV, and this is different, and it's fun. And if you enjoy just the pure enjoyment of watching guys play golf, I don't know. Again, put all the politics aside. Put whatever feelings you have aside. But if you just like watching professional golfers hit golf shots, I don't know how you don't like it.
2: So
3: what kind of feedback
1: are you getting, Keith, from? From golf fans, you know, people who are watching the golf tournament there with an open mind, again, politics aside, people tuning into, whether it's on your website or it's on YouTube, that they're coming to with an open mind versus the old stodgy old guy that's yelling at his kids to get (laughs) off his lawn. Like
3: I used to be. (laughs) what, (laughs) what, What kind of feedback are fans giving you? You know, it's mixed. And I, you know, I wouldn't expect it to be any other way because it's different. You know, people, my wife, you know, is the greatest, one of the smartest, the greatest person and one of the smartest people I've ever met. You know, and she's like, she told me a a long time ago, you know, don't, don't be afraid of change. Change is good. Um, But people are, you know, people don't, there are a lot of people that don't like change. And this is different. And they don't, you know, they don't like the pylon. They don't like, you know, it's, it's hard to keep up. You know, the, the names are a little bit confusing. Some of them people don't know. Some of them people know. We have teams in this league. They're four player teams. There are 12 of them. And so there's a team icon and a logo that's next to the player's name because that's the team that he represents. And the scoring is a little, can be a little confusing. As far as the individual competition, it's not. Shoot the lowest score, you win the money shoot the lowest score you win the trophy you know for the team two days out of the three two scores count the best two scores on the third day three scores count so there's you know you've seen a lot of you know griping and criticism and and sniping at pat perez because you know he can shoot 83 and still make almost a million dollars in a week and it's kind of like well but did you notice that on Friday and Saturday, he actually was one of the two low scores that helped the team get in that position. So it's all a little bit confusing, and I get that. And with only five events under our belt, and, you know, that's the crazy thing, as I sit here in Bangkok, Thailand, you know, we have done five golf tournaments, 15 television shows, and it is all that people in the world of golf, especially on Golf Twitter, which you know is, not real life, but it's all that people can talk about. It's all that people can talk about. Chris, we've done 15 shows. It's, you know, it's crazy. So we hope that as, you know, Live Golf hopes that as, you know, time goes on and we get into year two, which is going to be more league focused as opposed to individual focused, more team focused. The people, you know, kind of get a sense of what's going on, and if you like the team concept in golf, you're gonna like live golf. If you don't like a team concept in golf, you're probably not gonna like us.
1: A good friend of mine, Angelo, loves watching your golf tournament. He he loves what you're doing, oh, loves thank what you the, how for the me. broadcaster's <laughs> done. Yeah. He's is more fun he says it's more fun to watch. The tournaments, the fans are better, we see more personality from the players. From your standpoint, when you compare these broadcasts, again, to your point, 15 of them, to what you were doing way back in the day with the Golf Channel when you got that off the ground and started doing that. Is what you're doing now better? Is it different, just different? How how would you compare how you did broadcast for the Golf Channel to what you're doing now?
3: Um, you know, I, I, I would I would never say – I mean, it's better only because of the technology. That we have now that, you know, the technology that we had in 1995 when we first flipped the switch at Golf Channel is, you know, is pales in comparison to to the technology that we have now. Um, You know, we have, I mean, Chris, we have 66 cameras on the golf course. We have 25 wow. um, recording devices to make sure that we don't miss any shots. I mean, this is, you know, this is a multi-million dollar budget every week for live golf and golf channel, as you know, we were doing it with tongue depressors and duct tape. I mean, and that <laughs> to me is one of the greatest accomplishments of my career and my life was what we were able to do at golf channel with the resources that we were, that we were gifted with. And and God bless Mike Whalen and Bob Greenway. And those guys for giving us what we got, but it was nowhere near this scale. Um, and, you know, this is an opportunity to, to you know, be back in, in the TV production space and to, to be around and work with, you know, some of the greatest golfers and greatest athletes in the world. And I got to tell you, there is, it's not manufactured. There is a difference in the way these players uh, comport themselves, the way they feel, the way they act. They are much more comfortable out here. They are much more free and loose. They are having a great time. You know, they're making a bunch of money. And there are, again, the politics aside, the politics of the World Golf Rankings, the politics of the PGA Tour. Um, But these guys are, you know, these guys, Chris, you've talked to a million of them. They're they're athletes. They're golfers. They want to play golf. And so that's what they're doing. And the team aspect has really kind of, you know, you can see it. They've, it's given a lot of them kind of this, I wouldn't say a new lease on life, but a different perspective. You know, they're playing as a group. They're playing as four guys. There's an Aussie team. There's a South African team. There's a, there's a Spanish team captained by Sergio Garcia. There's, of course, Dustin Johnson's team. And, you know, that's kind of what I understand to be the future of Live Golf is these team franchises. And they're going to look to sell these teams to sponsors. Who knows? In in the future, maybe even the near future, you know, there will be an – this Aussie team will be sponsored by an Australian company, and that company will own whatever the name of this Aussie team is. That Callaway will come in and and buy Phil Mickelson's team or, you know, who knows? I think that's the goal. That's the kind of business model that they're looking at from what I understand. So it's, you know, it's, again, patterned after this, this Formula One idea of teams. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, they've got they've got enough capital and enough interest and enough want um, to do it for several years. So we'll see if it catches on.
1: And take that team piece a little bit further. Once once they get sold and, you know, the, you've got your 12 team owners and that sort of thing. Are the players, I mean, are we going to see like a Major League Baseball sort of thing? Like, hey, I'll trade you Sergio
3: Garcia for Dustin Johnson. <laughs> Yeah, are we are we gonna get to see stuff I, like
2: that
3: uh, again. You know, I'm not I'm not in those those high level meetings. Thank goodness. Um, but from what everything that we understand, my answer to that question right this second would be yes. That you will see wow. things like a July trading deadline where nice. Dustin Johnson. And I'm guessing you're not going to see Dustin Johnson traded, but Dustin Johnson is the captain of the Four Aces might say, Hey, I really like the way that Hudson Swafford is playing right now. Hey Phil, he's on your team. You know, I'll trade you Taylor Gooch for Hudson Swafford and, you know, uh, uh, cash consideration. A player to be named later. I mean, who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Yeah, a player to be named later. You know, unfortunately in this group, you know, in this league there's only four players per team. So I'm not I'm guessing there's not going to be a lot of wheeling and dealing. But I think that's what they see. I think they see that as a as a strong possibility that there's going to be some excitement built around it, what guy is going to stay with what team. And there's been some movement this year with players, as I'm sure you've noticed, and that's one of the criticisms we get. It's like, well, what happened to Andy Ogletree? What happened to, you know, this week David Kooge is not playing, and Hideto Tanahara is. You know, what happens to these guys? Well, every contract is different, so maybe um, – david's playing on the asian tour this week or maybe david's you know taking the week off i think in 23 and beyond the teams will be set at the beginning of the year and the only changes that will be made will be um if there is this kind of ability to trade players from team to team but the 48 players in the league will stay the same and again i don't know you know this is Speculation on my part, please, anybody that's listening, yeah, yeah. don't take this as gospel because it could change, but that's for, that's our understanding. And, you know, it's, it's kind of fun. It's exciting. And, again, I get it. You know, not everybody's going to like it, but not everybody likes pistachio ice cream. But pistachio ice cream <laughs> exists for the people that like pistachio ice cream. So I just hope, and it's one of the things I think about a lot, I hope that eventually— all of this you know this bad these bad feelings and all the all the kind of noise just dissipates, and there's some way somehow that these that these leagues figure out how to work together because I think that's the for the the best for all golf fans.
1: You mentioned the word hot, the word comfortable and that these guys are comfortable out there and and taking that a step forward, one of the other things that uh Angela and I like about live golf is guys can wear shorts. During the tournament. That's <laughs> like yep. we all do when we play golf. Talk about the decision to allow that.
3: Well, you know, that kind of came about out of the blue. Um, you know, I think that, that um, Greg Norman was listening to the players. And a number of them said, hey, you know, why why can't we wear shorts? You know, we're not allowed to in, in other tournaments. We're allowed to on practice rounds. We're allowed to on on." pro-am days on the PGA tour. Um, We're allowed to at the PGA championship on non, you know, tournament days. Uh, We just don't understand what the difference is, why, you know, why we can't wear shorts. And Greg, I guess, thought about it and said, there is no reason. Go ahead. And so we were there on uh, Friday. I think it was, it happened like overnight. It was like, we were, we did a Friday show. And then on Saturday, it was kind of like, oh, by the way, everybody can wear shorts today. So... (laughs) That's the kind of thing. And again, with a startup, with the way live golf is kind of functioning, it's those kind of like just, you know, impromptu decisions that can get made because there's not this huge Titanic of rules and regulations that they have to go by because they're, you know, they're, they are in a sense in a, in a number of ways, you know, kind of making up as they go along. The funny thing is that the, uh, the guys that were wearing shorts, we all thought, oh, great, you know, Eugenio Cara, and James and you know, all these young kids are going to be out there and they're going to be wearing shorts and they're going to be freed up. And they're gonna, and it turned out it was Lee Westwood and, and you know, like a, a bunch of the older guys <laughs> that were the ones the first day that turned up in shorts and were like, wait, this is a little unexpected, but, you know, who knows, who knows what, you know, the next thing will be, but it is, it's again, it it kind of lends to that. It's a player first league. So. I think everybody, you know, in the executive offices is trying to figure out what ways they can make the players feel welcome, uh, wanted, comfortable—all of those good things that that just foster a good environment in the locker room and foster environment on the golf course. You know, we've seen that so far. Again, five tournaments
4: in. Right. Let's switch
1: gears a little bit. A couple more before I let you go, Keith and. Um, sure. The accolades keep coming in for your latest book, Song Girl. You've got a hundred percent five star rating out there on Amazon. Talk about Song Girl and the feedback you've gotten from that.
3: Oh my gosh, it's just so rewarding, Chris. Um, I can't tell you. And I think it's probably because there's a really, really fascinating character in the book. This kind of guy that heads up a motorcycle gang and um, you know has 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 a bit of a sketchy past, but then he's seems like throughout the book he you know finds his humanity and maybe turns the corner a little bit but no it's uh it's been a great uh it's been a great ride with song girl i had the idea you know one of these nuggets of an idea that formed in my brain it's like what if you wrote a book in which the lead character or one of the lead character characters could speak only in song titles and that turned into song girl and um i like the fact i'm you know I'm, i couldn't be more honored and and blessed that that people find it a good read and they enjoy reading it. So um I'm lucky. I'm really lucky and you know, unfortunately you mentioned the sixth book, which I was well on the way toward finishing before I decided to get back in the in the production chair. Um so Murphy Murphy in the case of the Commission on cliches is uh has been a bit on hold This summer, but, uh, I just started kind of putting the finishing touches on it, the it, and I hope that that one gets the publisher at the end of this year or uh, beginning of next year at the latest. So it'll be the, uh, the first sequel to the Murphy Murphy series. Um, and I, I'm really, I'm enjoying it too. I, I love that character. As you know, we've talked about it before and uh, this time he's on a bit of a different adventure, but, but. It's fun. I'm still trying to write. I'm still trying to get it done. I'm still, you know, I still think of myself as a, as a full-time author and now a part-time TV producer. So,
2: Keith, before I let you go, let our listeners
1: know again how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing. Get your books, and then follow you online and on social media as well.
3: Well, thanks for that, Kristen. You know, it's uh, all the books are available at Amazon. Um, Keith Hirschland one word K E I T H H I R S H L A N D dot com is the website. It talks about all my books and my kind of history of in the broadcasting world and uh I'm on Twitter rarely more rarely these days at K H H Author. So they can follow me there and you can watch Live Golf on YouTube. It's really easy. You just go to YouTube, you're in the search bar you type Live Golf, and you can watch every tournament that we've done, all the previous five, um, and then the the three that are coming up, this week in Bangkok, next week in Saudi Arabia, and then in three weeks in Miami for the $50 million team championship.
1: Keith, it's always a privilege to get to spend time with you. I always look forward to it. I can't thank you enough for your support of me and the show and coming back and being a part of it as often as you have. I hope I get that same privilege of having you back again soon.
3: Well, it's all—it's always up to you, Chris. I'm happy to do it any time, and thank thank you for being such a huge supporter of mine. And, and I would just say, have folks give, give us a chance. If you don't like it, you don't like it. I'm really, really fine with that. But don't not like it without <laughs> giving it a chance.
1: 100% agree with that. Keith, take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up again soon.
3: Yeah, I can't wait, Chris. Thanks a lot.
1: See okay. you, Keith. That is the great Keith Hirschland and that motorcycle gang character. Love that guy. Got to check him out in Song Girl. Um, I can't agree with Keith enough about give it a try. I know we all have our, our concerns and the, where the money's coming from and, and all the political peace. I understand where that comes from, and, and I get it. But if you take that aside just for a minute and tune in and take a look at what they're doing, again, how much fun is it that these guys get to go out and play short? Talk about, you know, it's a looser atmosphere. And again, I get the fact that, you know, hey, the guy that finishes last is going to make 120000 And if he plays really poorly, but the other guys play really well on his team, he's going to make a lot more money than that. It just is what it is. That's the league. That's what they... Choose to do, that's how they're, they're, they're spending their money. But look at the product. Look at the, 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 argument that I always get a kick out of, first of all, is that these are just exhibitions because they only play 54 holes. Well, folks, if, if that's your, if that's your opinion, guess what? The Champions Tour and the LPGA tours have then been playing exhibitions since their inception. So to me, that's, that's a silly argument. People talk about, well, you know, it's, it's the shotgun start. It's like your your member guest. Think about the fairness and the and like we talked about in the last segment with Rob Strano. We're talking about the difference in draws. If you happen to get the lucky draw where it wasn't raining or it wasn't cold or the wind wasn't blowing, that impacts a, a golfer's ability to play well in that tournament. It doesn't exist there on the Live Tour because it is a shotgun start, except for the top six players when it comes to the final round. They all tee off on number one. So they are playing the same course. They are finishing on the same hole. So it, it, that, to me, is off the table. I just think we need to have a more open mind with this thing. And, and you know, the Saudi money and the and the murder of the of the reporter and the 9/11 and all of that. I, again, completely sympathetic, empathetic to to everybody that was involved there. Horrible atrocities. Those are political things. I want to talk about you know what Liv is doing and how they are reimagining golf. And I think their ideas for what they're doing with their tournament, with their broadcast, and with their league are fantastic. Those things, I think, bear uh, watching from the PGA Tour, and I hope the PGA Tour has an open mind. They've stolen enough of Greg's ideas, Greg Norman's ideas over the years with the WGC event, and now their only response to – keeping players on the PGA Tour with stealing more of Liv's ideas and incorporating them on the PGA Tour. What that tells me is those are really good ideas. They can't come up with anything better, so let's copy them. And kudos to Keith and, and the and the job he's doing with those broadcasts. I think if you tune in, you'll see it's a lot of fun. Before I get to my next guest, Brandon Stooksbury, I want to remind you about a couple of our friends, starting with the folks over at Strixon Cleveland Golf. The popularity of a cavity-back wedge that can help golfers has grown fast. These are difficult to make, and Cleveland Golf is the only major vendor now out there making them. The CBX Zip has many features straight from the Tour RTX wedge, including zip grooves and a laser face for more spin around the greens from the fairway or the rough. Zipcore's lightweight density core moves the center of gravity, not just in the middle, but slightly forward towards the toe. For forgiveness on miss hits and a solid feel on all shots. The dynamic sole on any loft helps turf interaction, which is at the heart of our Chunk It A Little Less TV ad. Hate your wedges? Can't get the spin you need to hit it close? Swap out your wedges for a set of the CBX zip cores and save strokes immediately. There's a reason why CBX won gold this year on Golf Digest Hot List. For more information and to get yours, go online to clevelandgolf.com. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Sun Mountain. There's a company nestled in the valley of Missoula, Montana, that embodies the essence of quality, function, and innovation, and that's Sun Mountain, which started building golf bags back in 1981. They are an industry leader in golf bags, travel covers, outerwear, and push carts. With flagship products that you've come to know, like the C-130 cart bag, the 2.5 ultralight stand bag, the club glider travel cover, the speed cart, and Rainflex rain gear. Sun Mountain continues its quest to provide the very best in golf products to every range of golfer. Visit them online at sunmountaingolf.com to look at their amazing products. Okay, now next on the tee with me is Brandon Stooksbury. Brandon is from Jacksboro, Tennessee, which is about 25 miles from Knoxville. He earned his Bachelor of Science degree in Plant Sciences from the University of Tennessee. He is the head professional at Metairie Country Club in Metairie, Louisiana. He was previously the director of instruction at Idle Hour Club, a little south of me in Macon, Georgia. Brandon is also the author of two books. The first title, The Wedge Book, an owner's manual for your short game, which you can get on his website, stooksburygolf.com, or over on Amazon, where it was a number one bestseller. His second book is The Next Step in the Process. It's titled The Putter Book and owner's manual for your green game available in both of those same places brandon has been named one of the best young teachers in america by golf digest every year since 2014 since 2010 they have consistently named him one of the best teachers in state in fact he was named teacher of the year in georgia in 2015 and 2018 which is why i'm sad that he left for louisiana because i sure would have liked to have gotten on the practice tee with brandon I'm excited though that he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey Brandon, thanks for coming back on the show.
0: Chris, thanks so much for having me, man. It's been uh, it's been a wild ride since we talked last here at Metairie, Uh and I'm just uh, I'm happy to be back. So thanks for the opportunity.
1: Yeah, and Brandon, like you say, it's been a minute since we got to have you on the show. Catch us up. What's been going on with you?
0: Yeah, so we uh, we opened the golf course. Pretty interesting, considering we're a hundred-year-old club. Um, we are a 1922 Seth Raynor design originally, which uh, any Golden Age architecture fan out there will tell you is pretty rare. We spent, uh, well, let's just call it a lot of money, bringing the golf course back to its Seth Rayner roots. Uh, and that, when I got here on property in April of 2021, um, it was a mud hole but we every single uh you know hole every green, every tee every fairway everything was dirt and we put it all back together and
3: opened it up uh to rave review in december and
0: have been going hard at it ever since uh record record rounds of golf at the club record membership um you know record tournament participation it's just been uh it's been a wild ride it's been
1: How did you get back to the original Seth Rayner design and put the course back together?
0: Well, let me, let me be clear. This wasn't a restoration, um, meaning it didn't go back exactly the way it was. The club has since sold several pieces of property off over the last hundred years that were part of the original design. Rather, we brought in Brian Silva, who is you know generally regarded as one of the world's best in terms of, uh, you know, Seth Raynor architecture, and had him bring back a lot of the Seth Raynor flavor that existed in the original design. And so, some of the design features that you see, um, you know, Seth Raynor and Stevie McDonald, you know, have put together, you know, around the country and throughout the world, really, you see a lot of those same things here. You know, they believed in in template holes, and and, uh, we have, Twelve of our eighteen holes are pure template holes, and our architect, Mister Silva, uh, combined a few templates and put his own flavor, you know, on some of the other holes. And so, um, it really wasn't a true restoration, but uh, but it brought us back a lot closer than we had drifted over the past hundred years for sure.
1: Brandon, I want to go back over the course of your career because you spent some time with Jim McLean, a guy that I've been privileged to have on this show. You worked with him down at his academy at Doral. He's a legend in the instruction world. Talk about what you learned from being around him.
0: Yeah, I will forever be thankful um, and grateful for Jim and the opportunity he provided me. I wasn't with him very long, but, um, you know, I, I was an operator, I was an assistant golf professional, and I was trying to figure out how to make you know, a place for myself in the, in the career and, or in the business and in my career. And, and I saw an instruction article written by um, someone who left their name and phone number at the end of the article in a major golf publication, and I called him out of the blue. Um, and I asked him, you know, hey, how did you get to where you are? And he had a very quick and a very uh, succinct answer. He said, if you want to learn how to be a teacher, you need to get down in a and come to work for Jim. Um, and that's what I did. And so I went through the interview process and, and got on board, and, and, you know, it was a pretty interesting deal. We we were scheduled for four days of work a week and expected to be there on at least one, if not two other days in the week to learn, uh, to watch lessons, to observe lessons, to assist some of the older, um, you know, instructors with lessons. And it was an incredible learning experience. I mean, we had over twenty instructors on staff in season in Miami at Doral at the time. They've they since moved um, to another property in Coral Gables, but um, it was a, it was an incredible opportunity. I made I made a ton of friends that I still keep in touch with today. I learned a ton of lessons on how to teach golf, how to teach golf for a living, which is very different than teaching golf um and and it was just an awesome experience i I can't say enough good um and be thankful enough to Jim and all the instructors that that gave their time while i was there they made me the golf instructor i am today at least set me on the right path so i I, I couldn't be more
2: grateful. brandon
1: you say it's different teaching golf and teaching golf for a living how's it different
0: For a living, you have to know, you have to understand how to take people on a journey, right? And, and, and what I mean by that is unless you are in a very special place in the country or at a very special facility where you have a lot of business, um, you can't, it's hard to make a living on a one-off golf lessons, waiting for someone to walk up and take a new golf lesson. When you teach golf for a living and literally what you eat depends on what you teach, then you you have to learn how to keep students. And that sounds self-serving. It's really not because it's why the student comes to you. But teaching someone over the course of two, three, four, five-plus years and developing their game and continuing to get them better and improve their skill set over a five-year period, is way different than fixing their slice when they come to see you for an hour when they've got their club championship next week uh, there's nothing wrong with that style of teaching or not not styles a wrong way to say that but there's nothing wrong with that part of teaching I do that on a on a regular basis at my club here it's just different when you're doing it for a living and that's kind of what I mean you just have to learn you have to learn how to how to really develop players and keep clients getting better over the course of a long period of time. That's kind of what I mean.
1: Brandon, the PGA Tour is going to be in Las Vegas for the Shriners Children's Open this week. They're playing at TPC Summerlin, a place you're pretty familiar with. Talk about what we should expect to see this week.
0: Yeah, you know, I miss that city. Uh, My wife and I got married. She finished up um, her um graduate programs and we got married and had really started our life together in Las Vegas. My first daughter was born in Vegas. people ask me all the time what it was like to live there and they, they can't imagine it being, you know, uh they can't imagine wanting to live there, but the, the the Las Vegas that people experience when they visit is very different than the one they experience you experience when you live there. And it was a great city. Uh we loved it. We loved our time there um TPC is a really cool property I can tell you one thing you're going to see low scores um in their world it's a fairly um it's a fairly easy golf course to go low on um I, it, it produces a lot of excitement for fans because the guy that wins that tournament might shoot 27 28 under um you know that's going pretty low and so it's a really fun property.
3: You know, they 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 have it at a really
0: interesting time of year for the weather and for golf courses in Las Vegas. Most golf courses in Las Vegas at this point have overseeded. TPC Summerlin did not, um, which which made for a really different experience than what most of the rest of the city had. You know, in in terms of conditioning, and so it's a fun tournament. I remember my time both in that city and on that property or on that property. Um, you know, I remember it well. And I look back on it fondly. I wish I was in town to be able to go watch some golf. It's going to be a cool event.
1: When you look back at the places where you spent the majority of your teaching career, Florida, Georgia, now Louisiana, compared to Las Vegas, you go from hot and very humid to hot and very dry. For people who watched the tournament this week or may have booked travel to Las Vegas to go play golf out there, is there something that they need to consider regarding how different the playing conditions are going to be?
0: Yeah, you need to drink about four times the amount of water you think you want to drink. Um, What's really interesting about that climate out there is people say, Oh, I don't sweat. Well, you do sweat. The sweat just evaporates off your body before you can feel it. And so you don't know you're sweating and that will dehydrate you in a hurry. and so you have to drink a lot of water you you know your body's going to tell you that you're thirsty but it it's it's a lot harder to believe that you're thirsty when you're not sweating and you're not hot uh, but i will tell you this the 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 weather in vegas in october i would put up against weather anywhere in the country um it really is fabulous vegas is a very dry environment and i don't just mean humidity it gets very little rain and so um, it's just perfect. The sky's always blue. There are very few clouds. Um, it's just great. October in Vegas is awfully hard to beat, um, you know, when it comes to golf. And as long as you drink water and wear lots of sunscreen, you know, you're going
2: to love it. Brandon,
1: let's switch gears because I want to talk about both of your books, starting with the Wedge book. Specifically, let's talk about the bump and run shot. The technique you talk about is very different from what I see traditionally in other videos or in other publications. You simplify it more, which is great. Talk about your approach for how we should hit the bump and run shot.
0: Yeah, so, so most people have either heard or been taught in some capacity, you know, the ball needs to be back in your stance. You really need to lean forward, shaft leans forward. You need to hit down on it a lot, and sort of pitch it. Oh, cool. Excuse me. I, I understand why all those things are taught. People are trying to take a loss off the golf shot and get the ball to release and run out on the green when it hits, which is sort of really the goal of of, of a bump and run, or a lot of people would call it a chip shot. Um, those those terms are sort of synonymous. The problem with that is when you put the ball back in your stance and lean aggressively into your left side and put a lot of forward shaft lean into it, two things happen. Number one, you really take away all the protection on the bottom of the club in terms of bounce, and it makes it very easy to miss hit that shot. Number two, because you have lofted the golf club so much, the ball tends to come out very fast with very little, I'm going to call it, softness. Um, and, and that actually, to me, is is very damaging because, you want softness around the green, right? You, you, you want the ball to almost be sneaking up on the hole. And when you deal off the sand wedge or you deal off the pitching wedge, you down on it really hard, the ball almost comes out kind of squirty um, is the word I would use off the face, um, and it makes it really hard to control. And so I just don't teach it that way. You know, there, there are other ways to decrease loft. Um, first and foremost, you can use less loft. Right. I mean, a, a an 8-iron played with neutral shaft lean will deliver roughly the same amount of loss as a 9-iron or a pitching wedge with aggressive forward shaft lean. Um, and so you gain back some of the softness when you do that, and you also have some protection on the bottom with the bounce because the 8-iron or whatever club you're using is not leaned so aggressively forward where the leading edge is getting involved. And so I was fortunate enough to be taught that way, not knowing um, how wonderful that was. That was just how I was taught by my mentor when I was a kid. Um, and, and it took me much later in my life and in my career to realize what a golden nugget I had been given uh, when I finally started sharing that with people that I coached. Um, and, and that's ultimately what led to the book. And so I'm not sure if that answers your question, but, but I, I just I just see it a little different way. Um, it was how I was taught. I started doing research. Saw a lot of other players on tour doing it that way. Certainly there are still some that that do it the more I'm gonna call it traditional way. Uh, but I think there are a lot of advantages and I wanted to share that with the world, so that's what I did.
1: Brandon, let's move on to the green with your new book, The Putter Book, and owner's manual for your green game. And before we get into some of the techniques that you teach, I wanna make us all feel better. Because the players out on tour who are the best putters in the world, they aren't draining every 15-footer that they look at. They don't even make half of them. Talk about how statistically we're all kind of bad putters.
0: Yeah, you know, I say that, and, and, and sometimes in lessons and in clinics I say it just to make sure people are paying attention, you know, when I say this. But, but I, I make the joke that statistically we're all terrible at putting. And so there's, there's really no reason to expect to make everything. I can't tell you how many times, especially in the club environment, um, you know, I have people come to me and say, "Oh, I missed five, ten footers today." You know, I should have shot X. Uh, When in reality, that's just not true. And so, when you think about some of the stats, I share them in the book, and and year to year to year, they're reasonably consistent on tour. You know, from about fifteen feet, those guys make about twenty five percent, meaning one in four. Now, these are the best putters that walk on planet Earth and they make one and four from 15 feet. The other way to look at that would be they have to hit it to 15 feet out of the fairway four times before, on average, they'll make one of them, right? So um, that's not as good as most people think. From 10 feet, they average around 40%. And most people are really surprised to hear that their 50-50 mark is somewhere around 8 feet. So from eight feet, they will make as many as they will miss, and I dare say that if you lined up most amateur golfers and showed them an eight footer, they would tell you that they should make that the majority of the time, and it's just not true. And so you know it, it leads to it leads to expectations that are a little bit out of whack, um, and that leads to some mental issues and some confidence problems um, that a lot of people have. And by the time they get to me as a coach and want help with putting. Um, you know, between a lofty or too lofty expectations and super low confidence because they're not living up to those expectations, you know they're in a bad spot. And so that's why the stats are so important, and that's why I spent the time and I spent on it in the book, and I and I spend on it in my private lessons. It, it's important stuff that that needs to be part of the framework when you get when you you know when you go to start getting better at putting.
1: Brandon, just a couple of more before I let you go, and let's talk about reading the green can't tell you how many times my buddies and I hit a putt that breaks the opposite way that we thought it was going to break. I can't believe the ball broke that way. How can we become better readers of the green?
0: Yeah, so so here, here's what I would say, right? Just like anything else in golf or in life, you know, if you want to be better at something, you have to have a systematic approach that allows you to work on the skills necessary to improve whatever it is you're trying to improve. Um but I'm an Aimpoint guy. I'm proud of it. I will raise my hand and say, you know, that I'm that I'm one of those um I'm an Aimpoint certified instructor. It changed my life personally as a putter and I was a pretty good putter before um and it made me a fabulous putter. Um I, you know, sometimes it carries with it some some negative connotations. I don't think those connotations are are fair a lot of times. I think people sort of fight that, you know, because it's just different, but you need a systematic approach to be able to practice the skill of green reading. Aimpoint provides that for you. And, and so the challenge I would make to most golfers, um, you know, when they say to me, I'm not very good at green reading, what do I do? And and I always mention Aimpoint and, and, and they say, no, I don't want to do that. And so I'll follow it up with a question. I say, okay, then tell me how you're going to practice green reading. What are you doing to read a putt, evaluate whether you read that putt correctly, and then use that evaluation to affect the way you read the putt the next time? And if somebody can come up with a better way to do that, then I'm all, I'm all ears to hear it, but Aimpoint provides that. And so um, I would encourage anybody that thinks they need some help with green reading or would like to get better at it, Go to aimpointgolf.com, find yourself a certified instructor, go through the process. At least it's kind of like your your, your guest a, a few minutes ago, you know, talking about Live Golf. Like, don't knock it till you've tried it, right? At least go do a little bit of research on it, download some of the videos that Mark Sweeney, the owner and inventor, you know, has out there, find yourself a coach, go through it, see what you think. If you go into it with an open mind, then there is very little chance that it will not make you a better putter. And so, you know, green reading is, you know, it's got a lot of art in it, but it's also got science in it. And that science is not hard as long as you have a systematic approach. So that would be my challenge. Find yourself a systematic approach to improve your ability to assess slope, to assess the amount of slope, the direction of slope, and then find a way to match speed with that slope. You can do all those things, and you're going to be a pretty good green reader.
1: Brandon, we talk a lot about the mental side of the game on this show. Talk about the role that attitude plays in being a good putter.
0: Yeah, so I, I kind of have this formula that I share in the book, and, and I say A plus B plus C equals a good putt, right? And so very briefly, you can break down any putt into sort of three buckets or elements that are, that are at the foundation. You know, can, can you choose the right spot? that would be green read. Can you start the ball at that spot? That would be start line control and can you hit the ball at that speed? And so those that would be your ABC, right? Read, start line and speed in no particular order. Those three get matched together to end up with a line that a ball takes from the putter face to the hole. And in reality, think about there being almost a tone Right on any breaking putt that will allow you to make the putt. The high side being the top of the cone, the low side being the the bottom of the cone. And that mixture of A plus B plus C leads to that, that putt. I make the comment in there that you could almost add a D to the A, the B and the C in attitude. The problem is you can't, you can't, you know, quantify attitude to measure it. But, but 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 here's my statement, and, and I, I I swear every time I say this, I should go have it trademarked, but back to the stat. Confidence can never be earned. It has to be owned on a putting green. Confidence can never be earned. It has to be owned on a putting green. Here's what I mean. Statistically, we've already talked about how we don't make a lot of putts. If you're sitting around waiting to make a lot of putts before you believe you're a good putter, you're always going to have a terrible attitude because your attitude affects the way you approach the stroke. Your attitude affects how you move the putter. Your attitude affects everything about the putt, right? I'll give you a very brief explanation right, or example. If I laid out a balance beam that was 8 inches wide over the ground and asked you to walk over an 8-inch wide balance beam, From point A to point B, you'd have no problem doing that. Most people that can walk and not fall could walk on an 8-inch wide balance beam. But if I put that same balance beam over a 3,000-foot canyon, how do most people react when they're standing there about to step on the balance beam? They freak out, right? Well, it's the same balance beam. You just walk across on the ground. The skill set is no different. So what's changed? Your attitude has changed. Because now you have the fear of death or dismemberment or whatever, right, that gets in the way of your ability to walk. The same thing happens on a putting green. I mean, obviously, we're not going to die or get dismembered, right? But that's how attitude affects how you putt. And so if you have a poor attitude or your confidence is low, then it absolutely affects the way you move the same way it would if you were balancing on that balance beam over a 3,000-foot canyon. And so attitude is important. I'll say it one more time. Confidence can never be earned. It has to be owned when it comes to putting. You have to believe when you step up to that putt that you've done everything you could do to read it right and that you're going to make a good stroke and you're going to hit it at the right speed. Now, do we always do those things? Of course not, right? But we have to believe we can just like everybody that could walk over that balance beam when it was on the ground I would have no problem, but some of them might fall. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that they couldn't do it. It means maybe they slipped. Same thing happens on the putting green. It doesn't mean you can't do it. Maybe you just didn't do it on that putt. You shouldn't let it affect your attitude on the next one. And so attitude's important. A plus B plus C, maybe even plus D equals a made putt. You've got to have a good attitude. You gotta have belief, and that's where the mental side of the game comes in on putting green.
1: Brandon, let our listeners know how they can get copies of your book, and then also follow you online and on social media.
0: Oh, yeah, so everything I have out there in the in the golfing world or in the world is all under Stoopsberry Golf. You know, one of the benefits of having a funny last name is it's hard to, um, you know, it's it's once you learn how to spell it, you don't have to fight anybody else for it, right? And so. Um, it's, S-T-O-O, it's S-T-O-O-K-S-B-U-R-Y golf. Um, my YouTube channel, my Twitter feed, my Instagram handle, my Facebook page, my website, everything is under Stoopsberry Golf. Um, I, you know, I, I will admit that I have backed off a little bit on my content production over the past few months with, with my job and getting the golf course off the ground. But I'm excited to maybe be at a point now that we've been open for almost a year to where I can kind of ramp that back up. um Books can be bought on amazon um you just search the you know the wedge book or the putter book they're kind of hard to miss. They've got a giant uh wedge on the cover or a giant putter on the cover um uh, so they're kind of hard to miss uh the books were a fun project for me, they blow away all expectations, and I'm so thankful for the folks out there that have picked them up and read them and and hopefully gotten a little bit better and so Check those out on Amazon and check me out at Stooksbury Golf. Um, I'm always open for a good conversation or comments about anything that I've got out there.
1: Brandon, you're fantastic, my friend. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. I hope I get the privilege of having you back on again real soon.
0: Chris, the pleasure's all mine, man. Thank you so much. I have a blast. i just appreciate the opportunity. So keep up the good work.
1: Take care, Brandon. All the best to you and your family. Thank you. That is Brandon Stooksbury. Again, the spelling of his last name is S T O O K S B U R Y. And Stooksbury Golf is where you can find him online and on social media. Attitude affects the stroke. That's gold. That's gold, Jerry. He is 100% right. How many times have you stood over a putt and thought, this isn't going in? And it never goes in when that happens. And owning it on the green. Boy, you're going to see this in an audiogram. Both of those statements you'll find in an audiogram as a preview to this interview. Brandon's fantastic, and the things that he gave us are stuff that we absolutely got to carry in our minds with us because we got to get our minds right, we got to get our attitude right, and more putts are going to start to fall. Look forward to catching up with Brandon again soon. Before I get to my next guest, Russ Holden, I want to remind you about a couple of more of our friends, starting with the folks over at Two Under. Two under men's performance briefs have just released their new Spring and Summer 22 collections with fun, new, and exciting prints like the Freedom 2 and 3, Santa Fe, Tigers, Zebras, and Duckies, and their new exclusive Folds of Honor collection where they donate 20% of all Folds of Honor sales proceeds to that cause. The patented Joey Pouch technology delivers maximum comfort, fit, and performance while preventing any unwanted skin-on-skin contact or chafing. Good for anything from the golf course, to the boardroom, to the bedroom. You can find these 200 performance briefs in over 4,000 golf pro shops nationwide, all Shields sports stores, all PGA Tour superstores, Golf Galaxy, Dillard's, and other fine retailers near you. You can also order them online at 200.com. That's the number 2, UNDR.com. 200, performance in your pants. Use code NEXT20, that's nxt T E E 20 for a 20% discount on the two under website. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at golf Pride. We deal with a lot on the golf course, whether you're teeing off in front of a crowd, hitting a four iron after a rain delay, trying to figure out wind direction or second guessing club selection. It's easy for your mind to race. That's exactly what drove golf Pride to create the all new CPX. It's made with a unique EXO diamond quilted pattern reducing vibration in your hands on every shot. The EX Diamond Quilted Pattern really helps your hands sink into the club on every shot, giving you maximum comfort because when your hands are comfortable, you're comfortable. CPX is available now on GolfRide.com or at your local retailer. Now back and making his eighth appearance with me here on Next on the Tee is former tour caddy Russ Holden. You've heard me talking for years about the wonderful work That Russ does with his organization Caddy for a Cure, which helps provide not only opportunities for wounded veterans to be the caddy for a day for some of the top players out on the PGA Tour, but also gifts of life-changing things to some of those veterans as well. Russ is also a Class A PGA professional, and he was the head golf pro at Woodfield Country Club in Boca Raton, Florida. That's where he met Bernard Longer and caddied for him from 1991 to 2006. Russ also served as caddy captain for the 2004 European Ryder Cup team. Going back to his college days, he played college golf at Malone University, and he was an NAIA All-American in 1980. He was named All-Mid-Ohio Conference in 80 and 81. He was the Mid-Ohio Conference MVP in 1981 as well. He was inducted into the Malone University Hall of Fame in 1994. And like I say, he's been a wonderful friend of the show over the years, and I am thrilled he is back with me again tonight here on next on the tee. Hey Russ, how are you my friend?
4: Hey, good evening, Chris. I would uh, I would respectfully like to yield the rest of my time to Brandon and just let him continue to talk about putting if that's all right (laughs) with you. (laughs) That's gold, isn't it?
1: That stuff was fantastic.
4: I didn't want that interview to end as much as I love being on the show with you and uh, enjoy every moment that I'm with you. Uh, I was really uh, reluctant to have that end. I wanted to get some more information and just listen to more uh, information that Brandon was given. That was just fantastic. What a great interview.
1: I appreciate that very much. Russ, I want to start our time tonight by getting an update on your daughter, Kayla. She's a heck of a player at the University of Tennessee. I saw she recently won the Sea Island Women's Amateur Championship, won by two strokes hit one of the prettiest six iron shots you're ever going to see on the last hole to six feet and then rolled that in for a, a two stroke win, but talk about the tournament and how she's doing.
4: Well, he gave me goosebumps there. I, I got to get the old uh, caddy shoes back on. And, uh, as, uh, as, as, as caddy daddy, I guess you would call me, uh, I get to caddy four here and there, uh, caddy four or four or five times this year and some USGA qualifying and whatnot. But, uh, sea Island was a, Magical week for, for Team Holden. Uh, she didn't have such a good week at the north-south the week before. Uh, missed a cut. Uh, hit the ball really well. But just uh, Pinehurst number two was her, her first experience there. and Went into Sea Island. Uh, worked really hard over the weekend. And uh, just, just drove it magnificently. And uh, frankly, it was really something coming down the wire. Uh, you know, there's no scoreboards or anything like that in my wife. Uh, was doing the online thing and kind of giving me hand signals kayla didn't really want to know where she was she wanted to continue to just keep playing and when we came to 18t we thought it was uh we thought we were in a three-way tie at one under uh we, we later found out that we actually had a one shot lead but uh kayla kayla heard me talking to mom and uh she said so we're gonna need birdie here and i said yeah an 18 at sea island's a pretty difficult driving hole and she just she just bombed it down the middle it just i was i was uh probably the most impressed dad or coach whatever you want to say that i've ever seen from her and then uh the girl in front of her unfortunately was was having a tough tough go of it she made a double or a triple i think and uh, we had to wait quite a long time and finally it was time for her to pull the trigger and she hit a six iron it was we had 166 i think it was for the hole and it was a frozen rope it never never left uh the the flag and it was just absolutely beautiful and came down four or five feet just below the hole and uh she walked up and she later said she was shaking like a leaf and she just banged it right in the back of the cup and i was like son of a gun you just won the sea island women's am this is pretty cool deal and uh it was exactly what she needed in her in her confidence bank and uh, she's back at tennessee now and uh, having a great fall she's gonna play this weekend in medina up in Chicago and the Illinois tournament. And we're looking forward to going up and watching it. And I saw from a picture on Facebook, it looks like you
1: guys celebrated the win by going to Bucky. Is that our place of choice?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's Kayla's favorite place. Yeah. She lives to, she lives to go to Bucky's, And uh, it was right after, if you remember, uh, uh, I I think it was Matt Fitzpatrick won the the U.S. Open. And he was going to find out how much, how much, beer, uh it was actually Cam Smith, excuse me. Cam Smith won and he said he was going to see how much beer uh went in that Claret jug. So she made a little uh made a little mockery of that and said, Well, we're gonna try to find out how many Bucky's nuggets fit in this uh Sea Island women's <laughs> amateur cup. And uh it was uh that was quite a quite a moment that that smile of her standing outside of Bucky's her favorite place. Everybody else wants to go to Chris Roos Chris or something like that for a big steak and Kayla just wanted to go to Bucky. So that was her favorite place.
1: Good for her. And, folks, you can read all about Kayla's big win on com and an article written by Kevin Price. That article can also be found on our website, net. And, Russ, your son Brandon, also a heck of a player. About a month ago, he earned a spot in the PGA National Assistance Championship at the PGA Golf Club coming up next month. Talk about uh, Brandon's
4: game and uh, where he's at. Brandon's quite a player. You know, he was uh, – got drafted out of high school as a baseball player. He was a pitcher and got drafted by Pittsburgh and, and pitched in the Pirates organization for six and a half years and tore his rear labrum, uh, which ended his pitching career. And uh, dad's a golf pro and family of golf, and he played golf his whole life. Uh, but then uh, he went into long drive and did that for a couple of years. He won 450 out of Mesquite in the oh uh, uh, REMAX uh, World Finals and uh, did, did quite a bit. But that's also very taxing on the body, and uh, he knew that that was just a short-term uh, thing. And uh, he went into the golf business and ended up uh, landing some terrific positions. He was the assistant at Baltusrol over in Springfield, New Jersey. Uh, Hellas did a PJ championship there. Uh, was there for, I think, five years. And now he's at the Apawamas Club up in Rye. Uh, got a great job up there and a wonderful club uh, just right around the corner from Westchester. And uh, he's quite a player. Uh, he can he can move it still. He can really get it out there. Uh, I'm getting I'm getting shorter and shorter, and he's getting longer and longer. It seems, but uh, he and Kayla uh, hit it past me now a long ways. And uh, but he's a good player, and he, he does very well up in the Matt section and competes on a regular basis up there. And we're delighted. Um, we moved to the PGA Golf Club, Port St. Lucie, and we're very thrilled to. It's going to be a homecoming week for him. He's going to come and stay with us and uh, going to play the golf course right in our backyard. So we're really looking forward to the national assistance championship this year.
1: And Russ, for people who haven't joined us before, when you've been a part of the show, I want to talk about the great things that you're doing for our wounded military heroes or your organization caddy for a cure. Remind everybody about the great stuff that you're doing.
4: Well, you know, as you mentioned, I had the great fortune of being able to caddy for one of the, you know, the greatest of all time and, Bernhard Langer, uh, he was a resident at my club where I lived in, or where I was working at Boca Raton. I was the head professional there, and we hit it off in the late 80s. Uh, and it started out as a secondary coach filling in for the late Willie Hoffman. Uh, Bernhard would come to, you know, Willie would come in for a couple of weeks in the wintertime. And, uh, and then he asked me to caddy for him, uh, Crooked Stick, as a matter of fact, uh, where John Daly won. And uh, all the things that I had done in golf, Chris, my whole life—I would never caddied once my whole life. (laughs) I just—it just something I never did. A lot of my friends, you know, went went down that road, caddied to be able to play golf and whatnot, and I just—I just never did it. And uh, here I was caddying in a major, you know, for at that time number three in the world, and with the likes of Seve Ballesteros and Greg Norman and Arnold Palmer and all those kind of people walking around, I I was in seventh heaven, and I, I really liked it. And uh I filled in for, for the great Pete Coleman, Bernhardt's long, long, long time caddy. And uh, you know, it started a regular gig where I was filling in two, three, four weeks a year. Uh and then in two thousand one he asked me to uh, caddy for him full time. Pete resigned and uh I was kind of in the right place at the right time and I ended up caddying for Bernhardt for about six and a half years and it was uh it was a fabulous experience. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh we we did we did had some pretty good experiences and had a chance to win a couple of Couple of majors. We had a chance to win the the Masters in 2004, and another chance to to win in, in St Andrews in '05 at St. Andrew, you know, at, with the year Tiger won. But um, we had we had a great experience. But while I was at, while I was doing that, I had a great idea that, you know, here I was walking down these fairways, and I felt a lot of envy. A lot of people were looking at me, saying, "Boy, what I wouldn't give to trade places with him for a day." So my wife and I, Colleen, had an idea. Uh, we started caddy for a cure. And that would be an opportunity for the average golfer to be able to come inside the ropes and, and carry the bag for Bernhard Langer during the practice round or pro-am. And uh, the tour uh, gave us a very short leash up front and uh, which then extended very quickly and, and very long and allowed us to continue that great work for 20 years. But uh, to your point on our wounded initiative, we were in 2005, we were down in San Antonio then at La Cantera, uh and right, there with Brook Medical Center and uh, the PJ Tour being incredibly military patriotic, walked six young men, Marines they were, uh down the range and, and all six of the young men had lost their legs. Um and it was a chilling sight. Uh, they were they were like kids in a candy store watching all these great players hitting golf balls and, and I just couldn't help but notice that those kids were about the same age as my son, Brandon, who is healthy and, and I realized that those young men had raised their right hand for us uh, and given that that big sacrifice and that big price, and they were going to spend the rest of their life like that. Um, and and w- we we were standing there, and um, one of the guys on the range said, you know, just because these guys have had an accident doesn't mean that they still don't love to watch a golf ball be hit. And I had an idea that, you know, if Chris could come out and caddy for Bernhard Langer, why couldn't he be escorted by a wounded service member? So uh, we had that idea. We ran it by the tour. It took three megaseconds for the tour to say, yeah, we're on board with that. So it's been 17 years now we've been offering those experiences to our wounded, and uh, it's just provided some, some incredible life memories and, and some life-changing memories in many ways and in several occasions life-saving uh, experiences. So uh, we're, we're very, very honored and humbled, and uh, as you say, we've kind of morphed into a military initiative right now it's definitely been on our heart that uh, we want to give whatever asset that we have, and that is golf at its highest levels, and, and we've been we've been thrilled to be able to do that.
1: And take that a step further, Russ, because you've not only done those things, but you've provided some life changing, I don't know if you could call them events, gifts for some of our wounded veterans as well. Things that have like, you know, literally changed their lives. Talk about that.
4: Well, yeah, we've, we've you know we we we've had some some thoughts where we want to think outside the box and what can we do more. You know, the caddy experiences are great and uh, it allows us to you know be able to meet these young men and women and, and be able to wrap our arms around them and start life friendships in many cases. And we try our very hardest to stay in touch with all of them and continue to use golf to to change their lives and make it better. We know that it's incredibly therapeutic and, and quite a respite to be able to get out there win, lose, or draw, play well or play bad, it's always a good day on the golf course. Uh, and, and we've been able to, to do that very, very well. But uh, we were blessed to be able to give Lance Corporal Lyndon Ortiz a, a mortgage-free house uh, several years ago. Uh, we helped young, another young man at Green Beret, Randy Nance, over in Dallas. Uh, we helped him get a service dog. Um, and then really our biggest accomplishment to date, uh, beyond that was when, when COVID hit, um, you know, it shut everything down. It certainly shut our mission down, uh, being out on tour with the rules and regulations and, and just the, the 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 weirdness of the pandemic. Um, we we started thinking outside the box, and I would had a dream for a long time. As you mentioned, I'm a PGA golf professional, and I, I missed the teaching aspect of that. And uh, I thought, well, why, why couldn't we do a golf camp? Uh, you know, nothing new, nothing, you know, really revolutionary in that respect. Why why couldn't we bring a dozen wounded veterans in and and treat them to a great week of golf and some instruction? But I wanted to add a little twist to it. I wanted to add some life coaching to it, really about the game of golf. Um, What what we did was we brought in a a bunch of guest speakers um, to really proselytize the game of golf, why it's so great, why they should be playing, the places that you go, the things that you get to do, the people that you get to meet. The, the opportunities that golf presents is unlike anything else in life, and what we wanted to do was inspire these warriors to be able to continue to keep playing their golf. If they're new to the game, let's help you get a little bit better and enjoy a little bit more. If you're already playing, um, we want you to continue to keep playing, bring those kids of yours into the game, bring your friends into the game, and continue to have that camaraderie out on the golf course. And we did our first Inspiring Warriors Golf uh, Week last year uh, in December in South Florida, and it was a brilliant success. We had uh, 12 guys in, and it was just uh, over the top. We had Gary Player got involved. Dennis Walters, of Wall- World Golf Hall of Famers there got involved. Bob Ford uh, from Oakmont and Seminole got involved. Dr. Gary Wyron was involved. Dan Beaver, the trick shot artist, was involved. President Trump uh, welcomed us to his club in uh, West Palm Beach and treated us to an incredible day, and uh, he even came back and said hello to everybody, and it was just a great experience to see, uh, you know, the veterans uh, intermixing with Gary Player and Dennis Walters and President Trump. It was it was just over-the-top fantastic, and we've got our next one planned uh, coming up here the end of November. Uh, we've already got 12 uh, wounded guys all locked and loaded and ready to go. We're going to treat them here at the PJ Golf Club uh, in Port St. Lucie to another world-class week and hopefully do some real inspiration and some inspiring of these warriors.
1: That's fantastic stuff, Russ. Kudos to to you and, and, and the inspiration that keeps coming to you to do more and more for our wounded heroes. It's, it's outstanding. So thank you so much for all that you do to give back. Um, you mentioned Dennis Walters, and, and I know we talked a little bit about Dennis. The last time that you were on the show, you guys are good friends. Talk about your relationship with him and his what he does
4: to inspire thousands of people. Well, I just left Dennis a couple hours ago. I was with him down at his home down in Jupiter, and we did some practicing this afternoon. And uh, you know, Dennis, Dennis, uh, his 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 tagline or whatever is if your dream doesn't work out, get a new dream. And uh, that was his. Uh, that was his motto when he got inducted into the world golf hall of fame and and those listeners that that don't know who dennis walters is go to denniswalters.com you need to see and hear his story he was paralyzed in a tragic golf cart accident 48 years ago and uh people said he'd never play golf again and uh he aimed to prove him wrong and he's done over 3,500 shows now around the world and it truly is one of the most inspiring shows in all of golf and he's just a fabulous guy and Incredible competitor. And the USGA gave him a new dream uh, this year. And uh, I am so thrilled that the United States Golf Association came up with the U.S. Adaptive Open. Uh, We all watched it on TV, and Dennis was in the seated division. And uh, it was his new lease on life. You know, he's done these shows and he loves doing them and they're great, but he misses that competitive nature that he has. You know, he was on his way to being one of the best players in the world before his accident. He was going to be on the PJ Tour. And this opportunity for him to compete was uh, was something that that uh, I, was just amazing for me to stand back and watch. And I tried to help him as much as I could. Um, he's got to hit balls off the ground again. Uh, he said it was his first tournament he's played in in 48 years, uh, and, and he won his division. And uh, it, it was fabulous. And you know, world golf hall of famers. I've I've had great fortune being around two of them now, uh, Bernhard and, and Dennis. And they're identical in, in the sense that, that they're just incredibly competitive. And that will to win is so strong. That will to compete um, at the highest levels is just so amazingly strong. There's Dennis out there this afternoon working on a short game. And, uh, you know, he hits it pretty good off the tee uh, and gets it around pretty well with his irons and fairway woods, doing better all the time. Uh, but the short game was really a struggle for him. And we've made some, some drastic changes since the U.S. Open. Uh, with his putting style and with his short game, and he's out there. He grinded today for almost three hours out there, uh, chipping and putting, and, and and just it's just amazing to watch. At 73 years old, he's out there grinding like like Bernhard Langer, for that matter.
1: For our listeners, if they, if they if they are a wounded veteran, if they if if they're family members of somebody who is a wounded veteran, they could really benefit from what you're doing at Caddy for a Cure. How can they get in touch with you guys?
4: Absolutely. we got a great website, caddyforacure.com. We spell it with a Y, -Y C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E.com, caddyforacure.com. Go there, use the contact form, reach out to me, I'll I'll get right back with you. Um, You can read about our history, our 22-year history over there. You can read a lot of testimonials. You'll see a lot of the work we've done in the world of Fanconi anemia, uh, as well as all the wounded uh, victories that we've had. Uh, we'd be delighted to uh, to talk to you and, and, and see how we can be of assistance. Uh, our plan going forward is we're probably going to ramp up the Inspiring Warriors Golf feature of, of our program. Uh, caddy experiences are going to continue uh, probably on a lesser level uh, than what we have maybe 10 years ago or so, probably not doing 2022 20, events a year, but uh, they'll be there. They'll be sporadic, but they'll they'll be around here and there. Uh, but we're going to really ramp up this inspiring warriors. It gives us such an opportunity to get inside of, of of these guys' hearts and their minds. And we don't do anything medicinal. We're not trying to pull out any demons or anything like that. Uh, this is just a good old fashioned week of of fun, golf, and camaraderie. And again, the, the the mission is clear: inspiring warriors, and that's what we're trying to do. Fantastic stuff, Russ.
1: How can they also take a look at what you're doing on social media? Stay up to date with you there as well, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, where have you?
4: For sure, yeah. It's the same thing, Caddy for a Cure. We're, we're uh, at Caddy for a Cure on everything, uh, C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E. Uh, love to have some uh, post likes and things like that and some comments. But uh, uh, we, we've we been so fortunate and so blessed. You know, when we started this thing out, Chris, um, we, we just wanted to help. Uh, we didn't have any idea. If you'd have told me 22 years ago that we were going to be sitting here having this conversation tonight, like we are on on on, on, on the worldwide web and, and talking to all these people, uh, I would have laughed at you. We just we just set out to try to help, and we just kind of let it go where it went. And it, in retrospect, looking back, it's been wonderful. It's been hard. It, you know, there were many times that we laid awake at night, looking at the ceiling, thinking, "Are we doing the right thing?" And yet we'd hear a story about a young man who was going to take his own life. And we realized that this is exactly where we're supposed to be and exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And we're going to keep on keeping on. And uh, we've had many situations like that where, you know, just when we think we're ready to throw in the towel, um, something else comes up and we just look at each other. My wife and I, she, like to said, we just got to keep on loving on them. And uh,
3: that's what we tried to do. God bless you, Russ. That's so wonderful.
1: My friend, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. I always love getting to spend time with you. I hope you'll come back, update us more on what's going on with uh, Inspiring Warriors Golf and the great things you're doing with Caddy Frick here. It's important work, and you're wonderful for doing it.
4: Chris, I I can't tell you how much I appreciate you and all the work you're doing. I love watching you shoot up the list on the podcast, uh, greatest hits or whatever you want to call it, the hit list. Um you just you certainly deserve it. You do you do your homework very well and great person to speak with. It's so calming and everything and I just love your show. I love listening to all the great guests that you have on here and, and good luck to you and, and blessings to you as well for continuing to do what you do. I appreciate you, Russ.
1: Take care. All the best to you and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again soon.
3: Thanks, Chris. Cheers.
1: See you, Russ. That is the great Russ Holden, again, Caddy for a Cure, C-A-D-D-Y-F-O-R-A-C-U-R-E is the site. And folks, Inspiring Warriors Golf, heartfelt for assisting service members. That's what it says on their website. Inspiring Warriors through the great game of golf. How great was that? We just set out to help people. And they went through and they executed at a tremendous level. The great things that they are doing and the money they are raising for our wounded heroes and the you know, the opportunity to caddy for a PGA tour or a legend. I know some folks got to go out there and caddy for Jack Nicholas. How great would that be? And he made that all come to pass and he continues to refine and think of new and more inspiring ways to assist our wounded heroes. Doesn't get any better than that, folks. What a wonderful man, what a wonderful family. And I look forward to catching up with Russ and hearing more about what he is doing. Hopefully, like I say, very, very soon. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks go out again to Rob Strano, Keith Hirschland, Brandon Stooksbury, and Russ Holden for joining me tonight. And like I say, next week we're going to close out season number nine. And I always put a lot of thought into... Who should be the last voices you hear at the end of our season? And I want to leave you certainly on a high note, positive words, things from great people that you can really take with you into the off season. So joining me next week are, of course, our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick, is going to be back. Got to close it up by hearing from TP one more time. Our good friend and the host of Backspin Golf, Matthew Lawrence, is going to be here. You know how much I love Matthew. Another great friend and two-time Players Champion and 1983 PGA Champion, Hal Sutton, is going to be back. And then we'll close it out with the former president of HBO Sports, now head of his own production company, Ross Greenberg, will be here. So it's going to be a great show, folks. I hope you come back and be a part of it with us. You can listen to this show as a podcast on just about every major podcasting app out there. You're going to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Acast, Google Podcasts, Audioboom, Player.fm, Podbean. Folks, if you've got a favorite podcasting app, we're on that one too, I'm sure. Just type in Next on the T" in the search bar. You'll probably find us there as well. Like I say, please continue to check out our website, NextontheT.net, for any special segments that we do over the off-season and to stay up to date as we build our guest schedule for next year. And we also give you links to recent episodes or individual guest segments. So whether you've got 20 minutes or two hours, you're going to find great free content available for you there on our website. Folks, thank you all again for choosing to listen to this show tonight. I know you've got a lot of great golf podcasts out there to choose from. I am very thankful that you continue to make Next on the T one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.